What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning best-selling taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards, both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, Go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Wednesday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Late night edition. So I'm very appreciative of Coach David Thorpe, who's been on the pod a few times now, uh, making the time tonight. David, good evening. How are you? Fine, thanks. I'm happy to talk basketball with you. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, we have a we have a lot of stuff to discuss. A lot of a lot of things have happened, but I did want to ask one quick thing before we get started. I know um, you do have twins, correct? I do. Um, my cousin just had twin identical girls today. Okay. Okay. Um, it. If you had to say, if you had to give like one important thing for my family to be aware of with twins, what would it be? Oh boy, I'm actually writing a book, and there'll be a lot of stories about. It. I'm writing a second book. I, you know, my first book, Basketball and Jazz, was mostly about basketball. And the next one may be a little bit more about parenting. Um, but I would say this: the first six months are hell. I mean, it's a beautiful hell because they're your children, but uh, it is rough and as we got really lucky i have i had uh 18 years ago my both my parents were and still are still alive who lived five minutes from us and my mother and father-in-law which my mother-in-law is only alive still they lived three minutes away from us and my sister-in-law lived two minutes away from us and so it was a team that raised both uh, our children and my sister-in-law pam and her husband dave and their two kids we all kind of teamed up together, uh, changed a thousand diapers between they had four. They had two young kids when we had our babies. Um, but uh, it gets much, much better after those first six months and they kind of get them on a routine. And that would be the second thing I would, I could not recommend this more strongly is, I, I would say this, any parent, uh, you got to put your kids, you got to switch between, you got to get them on a schedule. My, my wife would literally spray them with water if they fell asleep while breastfeeding when it wasn't that time, because once you get them on a schedule, then you know when they're tired, and if they're crying when they're not supposed to be tired, it means something else is wrong. Typically, they're hungry or they're not feeling well. <laughs> so it was an amazing way to know your kids. Is you just We just knew when they were hungry, when they were tired, uh, when they were sick, because we got them on a schedule. And uh, in fact, uh, this is an NBA story. Lots of my NBA friends who then were much lower level uh, players, executive coaches, whatever, will come over and, 
and they would see me at night because I'd be busy during the day. And I remember one time a Ty came over to Jerry, and he stayed with us some when we had twins and when we were, when our kids were babies. And um, I remember uh, he uh, he was like whispering when the first time he met them. They were asleep in their crib, and I said with my regular big boy voice, like we don't whisper. You know, they they, they better get used to uh, sleeping <laughs> through noises because uh, uh-huh. this is how the world is. They don't get quiet for you. And uh, he has a pretty quiet voice anyway. But um, so, yeah, so 18 years ago, we, I mean, we played the TV loud. I had phone calls and my voice was super loud. And my kids now, you can put them on a bed of nails. They flipped my concrete before. Like nothing bothers them. Uh, they just, because they just used, they grew up in a coach's house. So loud voices and loud noises are no big deal. I'm envious. I wish I, I could work like that. I wish I could uh, focus and read and pay attention. Like That's my biggest thing when I s- see people out in public or in loud places and are able to focus on a book that they're reading. I, I don't know how they're able to concentrate on something like that, but maybe they were all following uh, your parental guidance. Maybe their parents were doing the same stuff when they were younger. I, I, well, I, I know for me, uh, I, I was not a great sleeper, but my, my parents and, and then my wife, who's We'll be married 29 years uh, in two weeks. Um, she gets frustrated sometimes if I'm reading. I don't hear much of anything. Uh, and I, can fall. I can't remember the last time I heard I had a flight attendant ask me what I wanted to drink because I'm out. Before wheels are up, <laughs> I'm pretty much out. That was not that's because I'm 54. So that way for probably 20 years. But I was not good. I think I, think I, was, the first, I was the first born. I think my parents were, keep the house quiet, keep the house quiet. Oh, we didn't do any of that stuff. No, I was... We expect a lot out of our kids. Again, I'm a coach, so we, we had high expectations for our kids. And uh, we, in fact, I, my, my, my son used to joke that uh, if one of his friends would, would say, ask your dad. Max, one time, my son said, uh, he says no as easy as he breathes. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, they, I didn't even finish a sentence where I said no. Especially when it came to my dad, can you put on Disney Station? No. Uh, they didn't ask. I was happy to volunteer, but don't ask me. They, 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 my daughter, especially, she's learned to love 80s music and rock and roll because that's what I made them listen to when they were growing up. But uh, obviously, you know, we, we always said to get used to plan B. Uh, we'll, get okay. correct, we'll come up with plan A, but life's all about plan B. So just embrace plan B. And, um, and the other thing, twins just are each other's best friends. I have boy-girl twins. So they are, they don't need their mom and I anymore. They're, they're pretty much on their own. And, uh, they, my, I, my son just got his first ever job. He was always busy playing basketball. And uh, for the summer, he was sick of being broke, and his sister's been supporting him for a year. Um, okay. Anytime he went out with friends, whatever, because she, she's had a job since she got her dancing and, and just did my sitter on the house, and so she got a job to support her and her brother, which is pretty funny. So, uh, okay. yeah, unfortunately, there's a bunch of that complain. They're gone in a year. Uh, they'll be, they're actually going to college as seniors. So I get they'll have their they'll more their freshman year done by the time dual they start. Enrollment. Yeah, dual enrollment. Yeah, so they're they're mm-hmm. doing that and uh, and uh, and then and then they're really gone. And so actually, we're taking a trip pretty soon here, uh, kind of our last summer trip together before they start college. Hopefully, I start hopes to play. So by this time next year, we should already be in school with the team. And uh, so I'm okay. trying to enjoy my last year with them as of now. All right, well, last thing, and then we'll, we'll get yeah. to actual NBA stuff. Yeah. Do you want your son to play college basketball? Okay, so if I took myself out of it as a, um, as a basketball coach and a man who's very much in love with his son, no, I don't want him to play. Why do I want to care <laughs> about how the team is doing? Like I tell, yeah. I've all, 
all my friends are, you know, now they're running teams. They used to be low level executives and now they're in charge or they're coaching teams all over the world. And I have to care about all these things. I don't want to care about all this stuff anymore. <laughs> I just want to be, live a regular life. But uh, I, I really, I'm now going to have to pay attention to college basketball for at least four years. I don't want to do that. On the other hand, whatever he wants to do, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I can't really help him with much. I don't know how to fix a tire on a car and I barely can put a light bulb in, but I try to help guys play a little bit. And, uh, and I have some connections to you know, help kids get scholarships and whatever. And so of course I'm going to do that for my son. We just got back from a, he did a, a 90 minute workout with a couple of pros and then we had dinner with them and, and my assistant, my longtime assistant, Ryan Pannone, who's now the head coach of the Pelicans G League team came in town to help me out a little bit before he starts his, I think in September, he's going to New Orleans to work with uh, the Pelicans guys before the G League season starts. So my son was at dinner with us talking basketball and, and I, it, he just, he loves the game and lives the game. And if he wants to go play somewhere, then his dad's going to do whatever he can to help him have the best chance, chance to do that. So he, he lived in probably a 3% body fat. He trains all the time. Not, not, we're going to New York soon, and he's insisting on finding a gym. In fact, I just tweeted out yesterday, today, I just had a tweet out, like, any advice on, on, on where we can find a gym in the Chelsea area? I know Chelsea Piers is there, but um, I don't yeah. want to have to deal with a bunch of people. I'd love to find some high school right. gym and just let him work out for 90 minutes. That was his idea. I didn't want to do it, but he wants to do it because he broke his ankle in February, and he was out four months. Mm. So he's, uh, he's anxious to kind of – he's just now kind of getting back to full speed. Uh, but he loved it. He lived the game. He, we, we talked today about salary caps and, and salary cap and luxury tax, and uh, he followed it all very closely. It's uh, his passion. So as a, as a parent, you just want your kids to be excited about stuff. It's hard to get teenagers excited about anything of value. He's excited about playing and excited about training, and uh, I have no complaints about that, that's for sure. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, yep. More insight into Coach Thorpe. So yeah, I get to know you a little bit more every time we're on the podcast. Yes, sir. Um, so some actual NBA stuff. I, yeah. I mean, we've we've heard all the different uh, just analysis from different people, smart people, mm-hmm. about how this ber- basketball perspective is going to work with Russell Westbrook and James Harden on the floor together in Houston. And the general consensus is that Daryl Morey is just a star allocator and uh russell westbrook is a bigger star than chris paul for the next two years and that's what he's banking on and it's just like okay we're gonna have two top 10 guys because there's a couple other teams in the league especially in the west that have two top 10 guys and we're just gonna see what happens we're gonna roll the dice whatever and we don't think chris paul is the top 10 guy anymore whatever um strictly from someone who just has a mastery of the game what like how do russell westbrook and james harden share the floor in 2019 so this is actually my article coming out Friday for truth.com is uh, on this subject. Uh, in fact, I, I think I've got 3,500 words written on the Westbrook Harden pairing and the Rockets in general and how this should play. So I won't go into grainy detail with you mm-hmm. uh, uh, because if people want to read about when you first asked me to come on your pod, I didn't know what the topic was going to be. And then you told me afterwards, but uh, uh so, we, so I get into, I've done a lot of research and I think I, I think I have a very good a plan. They won't, I'm sure, take it, but they might do something like it. So I, I can turn around the edges and I think help you a lot. So basically, let me first say what they shouldn't do. So what they shouldn't do is 
is try to make Russell Westbrook be like Chris Paul. They shouldn't uh, uh, keep doing what they've been doing all along. And, and on the star allocation idea, I would argue that Daryl is one of the, Daryl Morey, one of the you know, few best executives in the league, probably in the world for basketball anyway. It's a global game now. Uh, and I, I think that he's smart. They, they, there's only five guys that can play at the same time. And so if you, so I always tell people this, the te- in a basketball game it's, it, between two teams, the team that's got the significantly best player just has a huge advantage to win the game. Huge. Uh, and obviously that margin goes up with the margin of the talent between the best player and the second best player uh, who may or may not be on the other team. If he's not, if you've got the best player and the second best player, you have even more of an advantage to win the game. So I think that most nights the Rockets have the best player on the court, okay, and James Harden. They're, they're, I don't know what number he is, but I think we'd agree he's one of the five best players in the world, all right? Mm-hmm. So Westbrook, I, I don't agree that he's a top 10 player, although I don't, I don't think he's outside the top 20 or maybe the top 30. I, I think he's fallen – I think his I think his mindset lowers his value, but mm-hmm. um, you're still talking about a very very good player. And I mean, let's face it: the if 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 Kawhi gets Toronto to get Paul George to come there, which I think Kawhi would have gone to Toronto if that happened, or mm-hmm. if he just, in my opinion, made the right decision of going back to Toronto, uh, where you only have two contenders to deal with instead of six or seven who are legit in the West, at least six or seven, as I see it. Uh, had that happened at Kawhi gone in Toronto, I think Houston can stand pat and, and have a ch- real chance, better than last year, which is still pretty good, to win the West. They were, they were the best team in the league two years ago. I gave them a 40% chance to beat the Warriors when they ended up losing in seven games. I, I thought the regular season, Houston was the best team. This year, they were a top-two team the last you know, 70% of the season. So he knows what he's doing. Daryl knows what he's doing. And adding Westbrook uh, moves the needle to some degree in the right direction. I just don't know if it moves it enough unless, and this is where I'll, I'll leave it, uh, and I wrote about this a month ago, that Tony needs to change the Rockets' offense. So there's lots of ways he can do that. But I think he needs to do that. And if he does, and Westbrook uh, uh, humbles himself to play differently, and Harden maybe is willing to not take seven. I mean, I looked it up. He, 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 53% of his field goals came off seven or more dribbles. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, it's, there's, a, there's a tax to that that I think is debilitating to some degree as the year goes on. So if he's willing to do that a little less, and then Tony can come up with a, uh, a, the Kerr offense that's with a D'Antoni sprinkle on it, uh, or some other offense that is more than Tony based, but different than what it was last couple of years. And Westbrook again and Harden again buy into that. Uh, yeah, I think they're a real contender. And I, I absolutely think they can play together. I just don't think they can play together based on how they both have played recently. Is there an age where it's just past the no. point of no return no. with guys no. where they can change? Okay. No, no. So, so in fact, I wrote about this and I'm, I'm happy to give this up. Uh, okay. uh, I mean, two years ago, did you think Brooke Lopez would do this? 
two years ago, do you think yeah. Mar- Marcus All would do this? No, no, there's no age. Um, it might be harder, but uh, I mean, Dwayne Wade changed for LeBron. Yeah. Uh, to some degree, anyway. I don't know that Westbrook has to change that much, but it, it, to me, it comes down to uh, it, it, every player at some point is about the money, and then it's about uh, winning and legacy to some degree, right? To some degree. Uh, if, you, if you've made enough money, then you can worry about the other things, all right? David West did that to go to Golden State. Yeah. There's lots of examples, right? So Westbrook's been an MVP. He's been on Team USA. He's, uh, he's been all league and all that. He has, he has one finals win. Harden has one finals win. Uh, uh, you know, when they were together. And so, and, and they both have crazy amounts of money. They'll never, their grandchildren have no shot to spend this money. So if you are able to look in the mirror and deal with people who, who know a lot about basketball also, and, and it's just how you play to, to best benefit that, that, that chance to win, well, it's shame on you. You don't deserve the money in the first place. And so I hope, and I actually think it's very possible and even maybe even likely that, that both Westbrook and Harden will agree to change in some degree. Uh, I mean, you're not, you're not talking about suddenly Westbrook, you know, shooting left-handed at the three-point line. It's much more, of, it's much more nuanced than that and, and not as hard. So I do think it's, it's, it's possible and, and maybe even likely that, that he, they do a change to some degree. Who do you think is going to, if you were offered the Lakers head coaching job and the Rockets head coaching job, which would you be more concerned about coaching? Which duo would you oh. think would be more difficult? So, so to me, it's not the duo as much as the entourage. Um, mm. I don't know. I don't know Rich Paul. First of all, LA has got its own issues. They're, they're yeah. a horrible organization in my opinion. And that was my favorite team <laughs> by uh-huh. far. There was no second team. Uh, mm-hmm. 1979, long before you were born, um, I watched Bird vs. Magic. I rooted for Bird, mm-hmm. but uh, my dad in the 60s, went in the 50s and 60s, went to a school called the Citadel in the Southern mm-hmm. Conference. And in that conference, uh, I think at least for one of the years, Jerry West played. So my dad saw Jerry West play at, when he was at West Virginia. He told me the story, and he became my favorite player ever, and I wrote poems about him and his career, and uh, every year I would add to the poems for my next, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade class, and I just uh-huh. did a gigantic and they drafted Magic Johnson, and Magic became my favorite player ever, and until my son was born, Magic was my favorite player ever, probably, and, um, and so I'm telling you, as a lifelong Lakers fan, I had the Swatch watch, when, when you know, Swatches first came out, it was a big deal, I got a Lakers Swatch watch, I got a Lakers, my, my big present when I was in college for my parents, one time I got a gift that it was a beautiful Lakers jacket. I love them. And I'm telling you, they're a terribly run franchise now, in my opinion. But they can always change. So uh, I'd, I'd be worried about that as head coach. I'd be worried about who's really in charge. Like, like this is what I thought about with Kawhi. And that's why I didn't think the Lakers had any sense to me. If, if he's not happy with a player on the team, uh, and he's in the, with the Lakers, like, he's got to go to LeBron. If he's not happy with the player on the Raptors, he can go right to Messiah and the owner, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just thought, he's not going to give up that power. Well, it turns out I wasn't wrong. I thought he'd go back to Toronto, but I wasn't wrong about the power. 
he uh, his title two it looked like were Toronto, and uh, yeah. if you want to play Paul George, so um, uh, and the Clippers, and clearly he's got that power because if they're willing to do what they did to get Paul George, they're damn sure willing to to uh, hear from Kawhi because that happened with the player and, and cut the guy and trade him whatever. So I think that um, the Lakers are a mess and the Rockets. Uh, and, Rich, and again, Rich Paul has a lot to do with that. Um, I just saw they changed directors for Space Jam. And I'm all for player empowerment. And I'm all for uh, agent empowerment. I have no complaints. I just know that I'd like to know who the boss is. And I don't know that anyone know really that. knows who the boss is. Right. And I think in Houston, we know. I think yeah. the, it may be the owner now. Don't get me wrong. Well, I, was it may, say, I think it's the, the owner, owner now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Shut up and listen. I, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of Trumpiness to this guy. I, I don't know. Is there? I, I haven't paid attention to that. That's scary to me. Yeah, Tell me for Tita. And what I've read about him, he is, I, I don't know. There's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that works over the next couple of years. Like, you well, can see it, it go on the Cuban route where maybe it's good and he figures it out, or yeah. it goes the opposite way where you're like, oh, God, I this is bad. They're going to... This is it. This is this is actually the whole title of, of my article is is the gamble they took uh, uh, because they gambled for sure um, and uh, and so but I I like I love Daryl I think he's a I think he's a good person and a really really good amazing executive and um, and I I I think James Harden is you know Mozart like he's at that level like Curry he's so incredibly gifted as a player. Um, and I happen to love, uh, like, like I talked to an NBA player, um, yesterday about Russell. Uh, somebody, it's the, the young man I talked to is, is friendly with Russell and has played for, uh, um, against him and with him, I mean, against him and, and on the same side. And he said that, uh, like Russell's great. Like there's just nothing negative about on the, off the court, uh, and on the court, he plays his ass off and really yeah. doesn't have an ego often as it relates to the other players. I mean, he led the league in assists last year, led the league in assists mm-hmm. last year. He just, in my opinion, is a low IQ decision maker um, because he gets emotional. Especially late in games. Yeah, just, well, that's what I mean. So he gets emotional. So he stops thinking. He's a smart guy, uh, well-spoken, yeah. and smart on the court. Again, led the league in assists um, and, and the most athletic point guard of all time. So let's say that. He's the most athletic point guard in the history of basketball mm. globally. There's never anyone like him, in my opinion. And I've been saying that since his rookie season. Um, but I think he can be a little maddening to play with because he gets emotionally kind of stubborn about some things. Uh, but again, he, I, I'm rooting for him to change. I think he can. And uh, I, the, the, the thing that I think is most important, and again, I've got to, I'm hoping everyone who listens to your podcast will subscribe to truth.com. And you can get a newsletter. Already, they should. I've been reading True Hoop, and I was watching you and uh, Henry's videos. Uh, I guess was this like eight years ago now? I was yeah, like we probably started. First yeah. yeah, yeah, we probably started. Uh, I started at ESPN seven, so probably my own nine we were doing in two thousand ten. Yeah, but when I graduated high school. Yeah, yeah, wow, amazing. So I think that <laughs> so I'll be writing, but you'll see it on Friday. Um, I think that if you, if, if you're Daryl Morey, and this is what I write about, you you've got look, you're the Rockets. You've got to get the most out of what you're paying Russell. And that's not just going to come on the, on the court. It's going to have to come with some culture building or whatever. He is a relentless beast of an athlete and a worker. And they, they've got to create 
systems that allow for that to shine and infect everyone else in a good way. I mean that in a good way, not a bad way. Um, what you can't have happen is the drama that sometimes has been tagged with him, the drama between him and Harden, which I don't think will exist initially. I am worried uh, if, it, if it's going away fast. And I don't know what the Rockets do because I, I think they traded the second worst contract in the league for the worst contract in the league. And, mm. and so I'm worried Where's about the John that. Walls? Well, John, John Walls to me is a bit of an exception. I, I, I wrote about him too. Uh, Cause that's to me, the third worst contract, um, uh, mm. you know, with his injury, I mean, if he doesn't really recover, they might even get insurance for some of it, but, um, it's, uh, it's, dark times. it's, yeah, it's an awful contract for Russell. And so if it doesn't work out, they're going to have to trade Harden. I don't think they're going to be able to trade Russell and Harden's going to demand out in my opinion, but we're ahead of ourselves. There, there's every yeah. reason to believe that they'll figure it out because they, they've been figured out for quite a while now. And, um, at least well, the good news is four players are eating up 80% of their cap, which yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like Eric Gordon is like the trade ship they have. Cause I don't know. Like what is Capella's value? You were high on Capella a couple years ago. And I feel like you predicted his breakout. He's just, he became the elite rim runner two years ago when they, um, when they had the magical run and everything before Chris Paul went down. But like last year, it seems like people thought he had a down year. Do you think he actually regressed all that much? Or do you think it was just the kind of, year I think he was the team as, you, as a whole. No, I think he was fat to start the year. So it's two mm. times that's happened. The, the Rockets kept Mikel got fired because James Harden started the season real fat and sloppy and, and, uh, and they lost because of it. So they fired McHale and then, uh, uh, biggest have to go over. He's awful. Nice guy. Terrible coach, in my opinion. And Harden got <laughs> in shape and they did better with Harden being in shape. But Capella, uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know what I predict from Capella. All I know is I wrote week one, I think, of the, excuse me, rookie season. I thought he was going to be the seal of the draft. Um, he, yeah, he, he's terrific. And I, in fact, I have on the article Friday, I found a really cool video of just all of his block shots, and he he's become a beast of a player. Uh, a huge fan. Uh, yeah, he's real valuable also. But I think the Eric Gordon call is an interesting call, though I like – let me just say this. We'll see you on Friday, and, and, and just text me when you read it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a reason why I like Gordon there. You'll see when you read it because there's, there's some thoughts I have about how they need to play. Um, but, um, but, yeah, he, he definitely has some value. He – Eric Gordon, is, when I talk to players, he might win the award for best player that the average person doesn't really think about, but that player's mm. respect. He's really talented. Okay. Really talented um, player. Well, let's, uh, let's, we'll, we'll leave it there, and everybody go read the article on True Hoop on Friday. Um, would you have paid Ben Simmons to pair with Joel Embiid for years to come if you're Philly? So the answer is yes, but there's a qualification qualified to it. You know, I'm not privy to what's happening there day to day. If, if you told me that Ben's attitude is great, that he's working on a shot every day, that you're seeing progress with it every day or every week. I mean, I've, I've been doing, I've been coaching shooters for three decades, pros for two, two decades, two decades plus now, 99 is when I started. So we're, we're with pros. So we're just at 20 years now. And you can see a difference in a week or two, all, almost always. Doesn't mean they can't get better over years. They do. If you keep working, they'll keep getting better uh, to, to some degree anyway. So um, if indeed those things are happening and he is making the progress he wanted to make and he is willing to work and study film and all that stuff, yep, I pay him. Uh, because you, you go, you're going to be able to move him uh, for someone else that, that paid their former first pick or second pick, whatever, and for whatever reason, it's just not working out. You know, like maybe, maybe we're dealing 
and get Carl A. Towns and flip him for someone else. So think about that slot, right? That payment slot. Um, uh, I think that uh, I think you have to do it, and I don't think Simmons is close to his potential. Uh, I don't agree that he and Embiid don't fit. I don't agree with that at all. I don't agree that Embiid has to stay in the paint all the time. Uh, yeah. I, you get you get three points for a three point shot, and and there's a physical toll to always being down low. Uh, he's not Shaq. Um, I think I, I think Ben Simmons should spend more time in the post. He does some. I think he spend more. So um, yeah, I think you got to pay him. I also think that. Uh, so that means I you think, definitely don't like the Horford and Bead pairing with them. Then I love it. Oh, okay. I love it. For, I wrote I wrote this a couple weeks ago. That the Sixers are one of the teams that won the summer because just go back to just go back to the playoffs. This is interesting. I'm out on them. I think they had the worst summer because I think if Jimmy Butler resigns, they're winning the East with ease and losing Butler. I just, I think this is going to be a nightmare in the playoffs in close games. I don't know so, who their closer is. So here's what I think. I think, and I get it. Butler made a difference and he won't be there. But Richardson's good, by the way. He's a good player. He's not good. Butler, he's just he's not good. a closer. I just, no, I, I, know. I Yeah, they MB the closer and Simmons in, in a, you know, talking about, you know, nine months from now, so he should be much better. But I, I think the numbers are this pretty simple. When Joel Embiid was on the court, the Sixers in the seven-game postseason beat the Raptors by 20 points per 100 possessions. They destroyed them. Okay, I get it. Butler played in those games. When mm-hmm. Butler, when Embiid was out, they got destroyed. Well, no one's destroying them without Horford on the court. That's, yeah. not, that's not happening. He, he, he cannot only play with Embiid, he can replace Embiid and shore right. up almost anything. So my, my, my thinking is uh, he is the first guy out in the first quarter of your starting group. And uh, remember, Horford's been playing out of position for his whole career. He was a four. He played with Joaquim Noah in college. Two great yeah. successes, you know, two national championships. Um, and uh, so he, he's amorphous. He can do anything. Like, remember, on that Gator team, of the three guys that went top nine, he's the only, that, the only one that didn't win an MVP of the Final Four. Brewer won one. Noah won one. Horford didn't. He always huh. just, he's a jigsaw puzzle piece. Yeah. He can do a split arm and that way. Uh, amazing leader, the godfather. They call him the godfather for a reason. And um, I think that uh, he, he can play with Embiid. Because, I mean, the Celtics ran their offense through him a lot the last yeah. couple of years. So I think they could do the same thing. They can run they can run through with Horford or Simmons. They can go with double-low big. They can go with high-low action. Horford can shoot, and it's a threat. He's a great passer. He also can start the break, uh, which he loves to do. He lets Simmons yeah. race and fill a lane. And, uh, but get him out, you know, six, seven minutes the first quarter. Uh, uh, play a little differently when he's out, and then let him anchor your second unit. And uh, and I think that starting unit I, and Tobias, I think will. So the Tobias you saw in the Clippers before he got traded to Tobias, you'll see now. I think so. So I think you hope. that. Well, you hope right, uh, but there's no reason not that that won't happen. And, and if they don't do well early, like Brett Brown's gonna get fired. So uh, let's hope. I like them. Let's hope that it works out well. Uh, they've got some depth. I still, I think they made some mistakes with their, with their bench depth, but maybe I'm wrong. I just yeah. think James Dennis is any good. And 
He had to do I it don't either. Well okay, year. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills with James Ennis. I've been saying this. He did really. I, I don't understand he, it. I thought he, but he did good in the postseason for them. So maybe they're they're convinced of something that I'm not convinced of. But I think Richardson's good and getting better. I think Simmons is the one. Simmons and B can both get a lot better. That's the scary thing. Yeah. Is they they should they should get better. They have they have another year of experience and uh, and I'm a big believer in how these games provide reference points for their practice each day. I, I know it does for a coach. You. Like when I'm working my pros out, I'm watching film on Synergy, and I'm I'm seeing what they struggle with, and that's that's what that's how the content that's where the content of my workouts are created. What I'm seeing, like I have a couple of players that I don't think are great bucket getters, but yet they have the ball in their hands late in the clock, and so we're working on getting buckets, and there's different ways to do that, different strategies, and depending where where you're on the court. But but they got the same. I send them video of where they sucked what it looked like. They remember every play. These guys remember everything. Everything. Uh, you could just say, hey, third quarter against the Pistons, boom, they got it. They know. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it's what they do for a living. It's like, yeah. I've never heard, have you ever seen a golfer after a major? Well, the British Open starts tomorrow. Actually, it starts in a few hours. Um, okay. Because they're in Britain. You ever heard a golfer after he gets done with a major when he comes into the press conference? You know, you know what they do first? What? They are asked to walk through their entire round, uh, okay. what club they do. So the writers are talking about on the fourth hole, you know, the three wood into the green. Well, how do they work the three wood? They don't know unless they have it written down because the guy said it. So they go through, okay, hole one, I went driver, five iron wedge. Hole two, I used a seven iron to the short part three. They know everything. They don't even, they don't even look at their scorecard. They just look at the, they just know the hole. They, they, uh, the Sean McVay stuff. Where he could like recite the right. defense, like I'm right. said, yeah, that kind of stuff. Right. The so that's what that's thing. what these players can do. So my point is, Simmons and Embiid, the guys we're talking about here, they they lost in the playoffs. They the, all those mistakes they made are reference points. Although Embiid, did, who didn't play great, probably because Gasol is a great matchup for him. Do you think he was out of shape? Because that's like been the thing. Do you actually think? I don't he was think out there's any. I don't think there's any question he's out of shape. I I, I okay. think it's fair to ask if he's ever been in shape. Now, I saw him play. When he was a senior in high school, he played in Florida. And they played an event, actually the year before. So Wiggins was at this event. Maybe that's the year before, but some years before. There's a big, there's a big uh, uh, private school by my house that has, typically has some college-level players. And, and they, br- they bring in all these great teams. And so I went to go to Joel. Fultz down the street. <laughs> yeah, I really thought about that. So I, uh, I texted the side when I saw Joel and B. I said, is this guy one of your Aspen guys? And he's like, yeah, he's going to be really talented. I didn't know he was going to Kansas. He said, oh, he's going to Kansas. I oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, he looked good then. I think he looks heavy. And I think this is where, this is, again, this is where Horford makes a big difference. Horford's going to be the, 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 the captain. He is going to point out uh, 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 what he needs to point out and not be worried about it. Embiid needs an alpha male that way. And Horford does it in such a great way. It, it didn't work in Boston this year because I think Kyrie is kind of immune to all of that. But if Simmons, is, if Simmons has been lazy in his career, in my opinion, to some degree, uh, uh, if, if he and Embiid can uh, humble themselves some, uh, I think they can, I think they can uh, beat him. I think they're going to – if I had to pick who's going to win the East, I'd pick them over Milwaukee right now. But it's, it's not like I said confident. I think I think I would favor them to win the East as it stands today, but who knows what teams gonna look like in February? Like it's just impossible to know. Uh, and, and not to mention who's gonna be. I mean, 
I don't know who's going to be coaching the Sixers in February. I mean, I, I mean, in, in April. But like I said, I, I, Brett Brown's got to win games. I think the Pacers are winning the East. I've been saying this. Like I keep like going back to Oladipo and Brogdon and Turner and watching that group. They, they're. I really value having just a team where there's not going to be one bad player on the floor at all times. Like their mm-hmm. their roster works where their nine man rotation are all going to be smart basketball players. That's the reason they were so good last year and the year before. There's a lot of continuity. I like yeah. Nick McMillan a lot. I think I don't think people realize what Victor Oladipo was putting up two years ago. Like he yeah, put LeBron to the brink. Yeah. I, I just think if he comes close to that, his usage was 32. Like he was putting up a Russell Westbrook, James Harden type usage at an efficient rate where he's actually shooting threes and he's leading the break. He's hitting these game winning daggers. Like the way people talk about Dame, I, I don't know. I feel like that is who Oladipo is in to a bigger degree just to, because of his impact on defense. Like I really think there's another level Oladipo can get to and just having someone instead of like Corey Joseph and Darren Collison and having Malcolm Brogdon there instead and just those two Goliaths down low. I I really, really like that Pacers team and I think there is a real, real possibility if Victor Oladipo comes back fully healthy that they win the East. Am I crazy for saying that they have a shot? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I crazy <laughs> crazy is probably too strong a term. Uh, first of all, when did Oladipo, did he get an, was it ACL tear? Yes. And when did he hurt it? Um, it was really early in the season, right? I think it was a while ago. Was it? It was, I mean, I don't know off the top of my head. Because oh, normally, they, 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 the, the, the rule of thumb I've been using for January two decades. 23rd, January 23rd. Okay. So, so it's a year. What, what are they saying he'll be back? Uh, that's a good question. Because my rule thumb is a, a year. quad tendon in his oh, right knee. Oh, so not Achilles. Okay. So, no. all right. So, that's a little bit different. Um, I'm, I'm not convinced at all. I, 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 think, I think they're going to be a good team. Uh, they they may, may be a very good team. Uh, they suffered a, a free agent loss as well. Who did they pick up in free agency besides Brogdon? Uh, TJ Warren. They got TJ Warren. I like TJ, too. I've been a fan of him for a long time. So yeah, they're gonna be good. No, they're they're going to be good. But and Miles Turner, if he plays as well as he played last year, which is what you're banking on to predict that. Yes. Um. Yeah. Oh, no and question. Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb. Nah, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan. Of, I'm not a fan of his. But I am a fan of okay. the bonus very much. I disappointed me yeah. in the postseason, but I'm a fan. Um. So uh, they'll be good. Yeah. And I and I love Oladipo and Nate Nate McMillan is, is proof of how a coach can get better because I. He was terrible a few years ago, but in Portland and Seattle. Yeah. But he's he's definitely he's I mean he's done a great job. You can't argue. He's done a great job uh, with that group. Uh, but MB, like I said, they were pounding the Warriors, the the uh, Raptors by twenty for a hundred hit with MB on the court, and now they have Horford to soak up the minutes he's not in. And they should be unless oh they picked up another guy too. But they're, but uh, they're, no, they're not. They, they, to me, Horford or MB should be on the court at all times. I mean, when the game's over, it doesn't matter. But uh, uh, if they do that, I think they're going to be. Uh, I think they're going to be tough to beat. Twenty-three points a game, thirty-two percent usage percentage, thirty-seven percent from three. I, I mean, four assists, three, um, two point five steals a game. I don't know, man. Yeah. Like, I just, I, I I'm a v- but, huge Victor Oladipo guy. I'm ready. Yeah, I'd like to know when he comes back and. With any kind of injury, there's just there's a, a process. It's a, Warriors have been doing that this year with Clay. He's Clay's just so different that maybe yeah. he won't be affected like most humans. But I've I've had NBA players 
that were students of mine that came to me following, uh, well, in one case, an ACL injury. Um, and, uh, and they really, they, they were just, they were afraid to jump. My, my own son broke his ankle this year, uh, in a game. And, uh, it's, it's been a process to get him to take a charge and dive on the floor. He's just getting comfortable with it now. Um, he's only cleared to play, oh, maybe six weeks ago was he cleared to actually play competitively. And, uh, I, I didn't see it tonight, but I think he played against, uh, like a, some men in a pickup game. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how we did. I haven't talked. We, we, we worked out afterwards and he had dinner, but I haven't talked to him. But I, I guarantee you the last time I saw him, there was still some reluctance there. Of course, he's just an eight-year-old kid. Uh, these guys are grown men, but I just to think all of these going to come back uh, where he was is I don't think you're definitely predicting that, but they don't have that much time to get him going if he's not going to come back till uh, full strength till at least January. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good two, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, almost halfway through the season at that point. Yeah. Um. Let me let, let's wrap up with this. The yep. Pelicans, they're getting a lot of hype. We both like David Griffin. Follows me on Twitter. Shout out to David Griffin. Um, yep. He had a great off season. I think people need to pump the brakes on the Pelicans. I think they're going to be awful this year and it's okay to be awful. I just think the West is stacked. And if you, I just, I, I want people to like go through the West and tell me who they're going to be better than. And I don't believe this group is going to be able to score nearly enough. I think they're going to rely on running And like the team. I think about with them that they're kind of building um, out West is what the Hawks were last year, where I don't think a lot of people realize they played at the fastest pace in basketball. They were super young. Um, and they just knew that they the only way to score was to shoot a bunch of threes and drive. Like that was it. That's how they had to score. And when you're going to play Lonzo, Zion, Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram on the floor together at the same time, Jackson Hayes, like the only way they're going to score is by pushing, pushing, pushing. Because I just I think that half court offense is going to be a disaster. I think teams are going to just love to see this this group try and figure out how to score in half court sets. Um, am, am I crazy for being dubious about? how good they can actually be in year one. And I, and I just, I don't like that JJ went there. I want JJ to be on a contender for the last couple of years of his career. I just wanted to see him bounce around from contender to contender. And I just think this team is just, they're going to be bottom three in the West. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be really bad. Who's going to be as bad as them in the West? Minnesota? Memphis? I think Minnesota will be better. Oh, I don't. So here's I think, Minnesota, I think. I think it's Memphis and Phoenix. I think those are the only two teams that are going to be worse in the West. Well, I mean, but you're right to say the West is, you know, crazy loaded for sure. The Spurs and Warriors, you know, because of Clay Thompson's injury, they could be duking out for the eighth playoff spot. Although I think Golden State, uh, if Clay didn't tear his ACL and they just lost to Rant, and then they brought back, they got back Looney, who I think fantastic, and, um, and they signed. Still uh, Russell. Yeah, I love Russell and Colin Stein. It's a great get for them. Great get. Yeah. Uh, I think they're sneaky good enough to, to win the West uh, if Clay was healthy. Um, so they're a huge question mark for me right now because I have no idea what's going to happen with Clay. And they're not going to win the West without him. So Pelicans, uh, I, don't, I don't think you're right. Um, I, <laughs> I, don't, I, I, don't think I don't think they'll make the playoffs, though. Am I less uh, right about uh, the, no, no, the I, I don't think they'll make this? I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I don't think you're – okay. Uh, I just, I, yeah, they're, they're not one of the best nine teams. So, yeah, it's going to be hard to make the playoffs. But I tell you what, they'll be in contention for a good amount of time, which I think is super smart by David to, to, to do. Uh, I mean, you, you don't like Jay Derrick went there for, for JJ, but, I mean, yeah. 
good. It's good for David Griffin and the Pelicans. They need the shooting. Right. So, so Drew's terrific. Shade Day's very good. I'm a huge fan of Brandon Ingram. Uh, I, I remember I was writing, why in the world are the Pelicans not trading to get all the young, all the young guys? I, I literally wrote this long before there was ever a trade because they were talking about it. But Anthony Davis demanded a trade. I said they should get Kuzma and Ball and Ingram and Zubach. Get all those guys. Those guys are good players. All starters. And Josh Hart. Probably a good role player off the bench. A great defensive player. Who gets more all-star appearances in their career? Lonzo or Brandon Ingram? Uh, well, I don't, Brandon Ingram is a big question mark now because of the blood clot. But with absent yeah. that, I think Brandon Ingram is gonna, was going to be a multiple-time all-star. He's an elite scorer. Like, I liked him better than Jason Tatum. Uh, and I, when mm. I say that, what I mean by that is I thought he every – I shouldn't say I liked him better. I thought he had every bit the chance to be the player Tatum was. And he's only eight months older. It's not like he's three years older. He's, he's either six or eight months older than Jason Tatum. He's much better with the ball. There's a story that came out years ago about, remember Jerry Stackhouse? Yes. Okay. So apparently Stackhouse has this um, high-level AAU team uh, in Carolina. And um, he uh, apparently is like the toughest AAU program in the country. But if you make it through it, you are tough as nails. And Ingram was a star there. Like, he, he is not soft at all. And I was writing this before. I never, I didn't predict this. It just started happening. Uh, but I just liked what I saw. He just is super light. And, he, and he's going to get stronger and stronger. He's a young guy. Uh, and then he started scoring 20 points a game. And then the clock hit. And uh, I think that he has a chance to be their best scorer, their pure best scorer until Zion comes around. Because I think mean, he's going to be – like, if Zion goes to the worst team in the league, he's averaging 20 a game as a rookie. He's not, they're not the worst team in the really? league. Really? Yeah. Oh, he's going to be impossible to guard. So, um, he's, uh, he, so, so Zion, it, to me, the best way to create the best Zion ones that we can see is to make him play an important game as long as possible. I, and I did not tell this to David, but I happen to think David's right to do this. The, the, the moves he made are going to give them a chance to be in contention for a playoff spot in March. And probably. Maybe it's February. I mean, they're, they're not going to get it. Uh, but, but they're all going to beat each other up. So you got to get that on some of the bad teams in the East. you got to make sure you beat the bad teams in the West. And uh, you got to take advantage of the Warriors when Clay's out. Uh, you got to hope you, you catch the Lakers when um, maybe Anthony Davis doesn't play that way, that game, because he doesn't want to play in New Orleans. I mean, you got to sit some games out, so why not sit that game out? Well, that's good for the Falcons. So you got to do that to kind of stay in contention. Uh, uh, they, they signed uh, Melly, didn't they, the, the European kid? Uh, I don't know. That's yeah, they signed, they signed the EuroLeague Player of the Year. Uh, okay. the, the, the last EuroLeague Player of the Year was Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, gotcha. so, yeah, he's a very good player. Uh, they're going to be, I think, and he's one more solid. You talked about no weaknesses, like their weakest player. Jackson Hayes is not going to play very much. He's going to be fantastic, by the way. Yeah, Jackson Hayes is going to be fantastic. He won't be this year, but he's going to be yeah. really good. Zion's going to be really good. Uh, Drew's very good. Uh, start uh, favors at the five, and... 
I don't know how they run and I don't know how they keep up this pace with Drew. I just think they're going to have to do a lot of half court stuff. And also like how many games do you think all these dudes are going to miss? Like, that's the other thing. Do you believe in the Pelicans? They, they brought over, um, the guy from the Suns with their medical staff. And we know that history of yeah. Pelicans injuries, but like you're trusting Lonzo, Drew, Ingram, Zion, and Favors to be healthy for a lot of games. And I, but, I but, also just, I fact, but they got Reddick. They got Reddick. Yeah. They got Holiday. They got Melly. Uh, there's another one too. I'm forgetting. Like they're, they've got uh, uh, Alexander Walker, the kid from summer league that everybody loves now. The new Josh kid. Hart, basically. He's fantastic. Josh Hart's good and a, a very good. I think I think Corey Brewer finished uh, mm-hmm. one of my one of my longtime students. He finished fifth this year in defensive real plus minus. Josh Hart was fourth. Like he can really guard. Lonzo Ball can really guard. Drew Holiday can really guard. Uh, Ingram cannot, but he's long enough where he should be able to in time. Uh, and Zion should be an amazing defensive player. He won't be this year. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. You're not crazy for that. But I don't think they're going to be pushovers, and I think it's the best thing. The worst thing for Zion is to play games that don't mean anything. And everything's empty. Because yeah. it's all about reference points. Being game, lose games you want to win, and you remember those things forever. Lose games you don't care about, and you forget about them. And you want those reference points to help them work in the offseason. But I'm, I'm, Zion has finished, I thought, the greatest college season in the history of college basketball. Um, I, I, I wrote an article wow. about this a few months ago. Um, his PER was over 40, and I, I, that's the highest of all time. And I looked up guys like Bill Walton and, and Lou Alcindor and all the greats that you can think of. I looked up their strength of schedule. And on a rating system where the lower number is the worst number, the higher number is the better, their strength of schedules were like in the, in the threes and the fours, and Zion that you're at Duke was over 11. Now he played a schedule almost quite four times as hard as some of these best players ever, and he outperformed them significantly on the court for like things like PR, which raised a lot of different things. So, yeah, he pretty much had the greatest college season of all time. And, uh, and he, I think he needs to change his body. I don't think it'll happen overnight, but if I was, and I'm friendly with, I'm friendly with David where I'm going to say this to him at some point, And they just hired, like I said, their, their G league coach are going to coach those guys in training camp. And he's like my son. Uh, he calls me dad. And, um, especially because he lost his real father uh, a couple years ago. Uh, I, I, I'm going to tell my, my kid as well as, as David, uh, Kevin Love should be Zion's role model. Like, mm. Kevin Love was fat, where Zion is more muscular, but Kevin, Kevin Love and the body issue would be a skin magazine, looked like he had former head body fat. So uh, Zion, it's going to be harder, but my first ever NBA client uh, was a guy named Donna Taslam, who was 275 and muscular, and through nothing that I did, I had nothing to do with any of this, he went to France. Stopped lifting weights, didn't like the French food, went to McDonald's twice a day or whatever, and ended <laughs> up, he, he came to me at 222. He lost 50 pounds of muscle, not fat. So to me, Zion needs to shed, I, I, told, I told my assistant I needed to shed 30 to 40 pounds, but you could start with 20. Oh, wow. And then you see how, he's never going to forget how to use his body, but he, he's too big, in my opinion, to, to be as good as he can be, because he's already one of the most breathtaking athletes you'll ever see. Uh, he'll be like LeBron uh, at, at that age because of that body if you, if you trim up a little bit. I don't know if he can. You know, better, smarter people than me and more experienced than me can, can really get him the right exact uh, body. 
But if he does that, I think he's going to be spectacular. I really do. And I think that Holiday is underrated because they've been bad. But, uh, and I think Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram both, one of those two guys, I mean, you asked me the question, who's going to be more, more of an all-star, but what if they both make it? Like, like that's possible. Yeah. Look at the talented players. Talented players. So it's possible they both develop into being an all-star. Not this year. But uh, if Ingram comes back totally healthy and, and can really score, they, I think they can have some incredibly interesting teams on both ends. Um, last thing, and then we'll go. This is a quick one. Um, I know Kevin Martin, someone you know have known for a long time, one of my favorite NBA players in the mid 2000s, partly because I have a very ugly left-handed shot, and I've always had that playing <laughs> okay. AAU and everything else. My coach tried to change it, and I refused. And I, it's you would you, you would hate it, uh, Coach Thorpe. Okay, uh, I'll go ahead and tell you it's it starts <laughs> low. I'll go ahead and tell you that it's okay. one of those where I learned to shoot when I did not have the strength to shoot from yeah. 40 feet out. Yeah, and that's how I started like just shooting 40 feet out and I'm more comfortable from pulling up from just the logo and stuff like that. And that's like a normal, it, it's just, it's weird. That's how I started and I can still shoot and everything, but it's an ugly shot. And Kevin Martin, when you first saw his shot without anything else, what was your first reaction when you saw him pull up? So, uh, the way it all happened, I mean, guys, Kevin lives here now, by the way, he lives 20, 25 minutes from me. Um, with his okay. wife and, and, and little girl in, in Clearwater. Well, he lives in St. Pete, actually. He just moved from Clearwater to St. Pete uh, about two months ago. Um, so I actually met Kevin's coach in college because they were recruiting a player I was helping, like a big 6A kid, to Western Carolina. And he said, he's like, listen, I have this guy. He's 155, 160 pounds, 6'6", 6'7", uh, average 22 games as a freshman. Light out shooter. Never once mentioned what it looked like. Lights out shooter. <laughs> uh, um, I, I think they beat Florida State his freshman year, Western Carolina. He scored 30 or whatever, or uh, 27. I don't know. He averaged 22, though. Um, they said, but all he can do is shoot. Can't dribble, can't cut, nothing. Can you teach him how to play? So when they first came down to me, um, I didn't really care what it looked like. I just don't went in. And so mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in that. Uh, we obviously did a lot of work with him over the years, not just on his shots, but on his game and everything else. He, he, he was my student for 15 years. Um, yeah, three college years and, and, uh, and 12 pro, pro years. Uh, and my wife and I were the first non-family members to hold his baby about an hour after she was born. Two years ago at the hospital, my twins were born. So he's really like one of my, one of my other children. Um, and, uh, He'll tell you, I never cared about what a shot looked like. I don't care what your shot looks like if you can shoot it. If you can't shoot it, different story. If you can't make shots at a high level, um, then, uh, then yeah, we got to do some tweaks. But I'll, you'll like this if you like Kevin. So tonight at dinner, I was told you, I was having dinner with some pros and my assistants to the Pelicans now, who was with Kevin every, almost every, I, I, think, I think Ryan was helping me throughout Kevin's career with me, at least from the pro part. I don't remember if Ryan was there or not during the college part. It was close. I'm out of term book with, with Ryan maybe in 2004, which is Kevin's rookie year. So uh, that sounds about right. So he was telling me, um, we were talking to these guys about these shooting contests that, we, that we've always done. And I've had some significantly talented 40% plus three-point shooters in our gym. And normally when, you, when you're working out with me, Chase, we – we do like an intense workout in the morning, 90 minutes, stretching included. And we can't go that long because we go really fast, really hard. 
Uh, and we get some shots up too. But then at night, uh, three or four times a week, we just shoot. And very often, not now so much in July because it's early, but when we get ready for training camp, they're all just competitive shooting games. And so Ryan uh, is more creative than me, made up just a ton of them. So a game, an example of a game would be like, uh, you've got to make three shots in a row from you know, uh, five spots on the floor, two shots in a row from five spots on the floor, and then you've got to run to the top of the key, NBA three, and you've got to see how many shots you can make, and all that's within two minutes. So a good NBA shooter is going to make two shots in a row from five spots on the floor pretty quickly. And, uh, and then they might make, you know, seven or eight threes from the top of the key. And it's only one ball. Like we, it's, because you got to keep it relevant. You can't do two, three, four balls. You, I'm a big believer in, in, in not letting them shoot one second after another. Because in games, you never do that. There should be some time to think. Because in a game, you got to play defense and everything else. So um, Ryan was telling uh, my players today that, uh, you know, guys might get seven or eight, nine, three, ten threes made at the top of the key and, uh, and feel like they're king of the world. And then Ryan would tell them, well, that's, that's good. But, you know, if Kevin gets left to like 17, he's kicking the ball to the roof. And, and oh, by the way, we always make Kevin make three shots from five spots. Uh, we, we, we had him, we actually, we called him Kevin rules. I didn't make any of this up. <laughs> Ryan did. I'm not joking. You should have Ryan Pinone make a note of this. I'll get him on your pod as long as the Pelicans will allow him to do it. Um, oh, yeah. He, he's incredible. He's going to be a superstar. David Griffin is incredibly smart to hire this guy. Uh, he, he, he had other opportunities after the Pelicans contacted him, but since they were first, he went with them, and he's going to be a star. But, yeah, he made up uh, – he called him Kevin Rules. Uh, now, Omri Casper became a great shooter. We had to use Kevin Rules for Omri because otherwise it, just, it, it, weren't, it wasn't hard. But uh, I, I'll finish with this. So, so last year, Kevin's retired two years at this point. And I had a bunch of European players in the, in the gym, and they all played NBA 2K when Kevin was a you know, high-level scorer in the league, and they were just dying to meet Kevin. So I called Kevin. Actually, Pannone, Ryan, came to visit from Europe. And, uh, I, and he and Kevin are super close. And I said, Kev, Kevin was living on the beach, 10 minutes from the gym we used. I said, come on over so you can see Ryan. So Kevin came in. The European guys were there. They go crazy for him. These guys are all in their 20s. And they want to see Kevin shoot because he's got this famously weird shot, right? <laughs> so, yeah. I, honestly, we just told the story tonight. It was so funny. And I said, uh, I, I, it's almost like he was like, you know, a circus animal. I'm like, guys, he, yeah. he didn't come here to shoot. He came here to say hi to Ryan. <laughs> oh, please, just, you know, can you shoot some shots for us? So I said, Kevin, do you want to do it? He's dressed like in street clothes. Said, yeah, I'll do it. So I said, this is June. I said, this is June of 2018. I said, like, when's the last time you shot the ball? He said, well, I was home with uh, my family over the, over the holidays. And so in January, I, like the middle school where he's from is named after him, the gym, because he donates some money. He, Kevin's a really famous person in Ohio for doing things like a school bus once ran off the side of a road, a bridge, and kids drowned in the water because they had no seatbelt on or whatever. And um, Kevin like signed legislation to pass rules where kids had to be in seatbelts on buses. I'm sorry, buses had to have seatbelts. Uh, it was a requirement. Ooh. Kevin was very involved in that. He, he does a lot of stuff like that. So he always, he told me, I would go back and speak to my high school team. And, you know, that their coach is still my coach. I'm friendly with him. His name is Scott Aaron Hall. He's a fantastic coach in Ohio. And he coached Kevin really, really well. And so he's like, I was back there. And so, you know, I shot some in January. But this is six months later. 
So the guys are all fired up. And of course, he, he makes 11 straight NBA threes. And every one of them looked <laughs> terrible. It, I mean, the form was bad. It, it hit, it, none of them, I, I swear to you, not a single swish, multiple wrist touches, whatever. But as Brian Pannone was telling the story to the players today, like, as I always say, talented. Some guys just have the ability to throw the ball in a hole, right? Mm. The same guy that can wad up a cup and throw it into a trash can is, is probably going to be able to shoot the ball pretty well. Kevin just has that crazy eye. Like, like if, he, uh, if he ever shot skeet, he wouldn't miss. He just had that great hand-eye coordination. And just throw it in. <laughs> so my job was to not <laughs> am I allowed to cuss on your podcast? Yes, absolutely. So my job is not to fuck it up. <laughs> so if you can't make a shot, well, then I'm going to have to really work on your form. Like my son technically, typically looks pretty perfect when he shoots the ball. So I'm like, his dad's a shooting coach. So what do you expect? Um, I would imagine most you know, sons of golfers can really putt and have a beautiful stroke off the, off the tee and whatever. Uh, yeah. coaches, boys, tend to, yeah, right. Coaches, boys tend to be able to <laughs> shoot the ball. So Max can shoot the ball, but, uh, the, the ability to throw it in, that's talent. And Kevin just had my job is whatever I do with it. It's a natural shooting to me. is natural. Uh, it should be natural. It should not be mechanical unless your natural ability is terrible. And so that's what we do as shooting coaches. I've been doing it for a long, long time. If you can't throw it in your way, well, now I've got to do it. I've got to teach you how to do it my way. And my way is going to be more fundamental. But if you can, I just try to tweak it. I just try to tweak it, uh, clean it up a little bit, make it a little more efficient, a little less movement, uh, build your confidence, make sure you understand. Shoot. I always tell everyone it's not the first thing we work on is not mechanics, typically, it's shot selection. Because no matter what I teach you mechanically, if your selection is off, you're going to miss a lot of shots. So we work a lot on that. And Kevin, Kevin's shot selection was just incredible. He, I watched a film that I have the Rockets on a Rick Adelman. And um, the, very first, uh, the very first set, there were, they made nine passes in 14 seconds. And Chuck Hayes, who you may not remember, but it was a Oh, I remember center. Chuck Hayes. So the Chuck Hayes and Luis Gola were starting together in that game. And uh, Chuck Hayes got a nice reverse layup off a pass from Chase Buttinger. Nine passes in, but the key was Lowry penetrated, hit Chuck Hayes on a pick and roll. Hayes middly threw an opposite corner. Corner guy swung. I remember the corner guy swung it right to Kevin, who was open at the angle for a three. But one more swing got another guy more open. Another swing, Kyle Lowry more open. Then he hit Chase. Chase drove, gave it to Chuck in the short corner, who made a reverse that you know you're going to make 75 percent of the time. Uh, uh, just good basketball play. And that, to me, that was always the secret of Kevin is as amazing of a score and shooter he was and getting fouled. He, he, in the offseason, when our guys said pick up, we, he was always the guy that didn't want to play point guard because he's never going to take a bad shot. He's not looking just to get buckets. He just wants to play good basketball. He's, on, he's been on some great offenses. And, and I'll leave you with this. At some point, I'm hoping True looks into this. Uh, the James Harden trade. Right, that was for Kevin, right? Kevin goes to OKC, yeah. Harden goes to Houston. Kevin's having 20 games for Houston. Kevin was with me here in Clearwater when that trade went down. Do you remember that Thunder team that he went to that year? Uh, I mean, uh, let me think. Who was I? I mean, Abaka was still there. Yeah. It was him, Abaka. Uh, was Cephalogia Ta- still there? Tabo started. Kevin came off the bench yeah. in the Harden role. Durant, yeah. Abaka, and. Um, Who are we missing? Who was the big? 
There was another bit because they love playing Scott Brooks. Ke- Kendrick, Kendrick, Perkins. Kendrick Perkins? Yeah. Yeah. So that team won 60 games, was the first team in the West. They were hammering the Rockets in round one. And, uh, and then Pat Beverly took out Westbrook, blew his knee out. The, the Rockets, they, they Thunder won that game to go up 3-0. The Rockets without Westbrook uh, won the next two. And then I think Kevin had 26 in game six. Durant did great too. They won. Then they beat Memphis. Kevin, I think 25 or 26 again. And then basically the Grizzlies realized, well, all they're really doing is running stuff for Durant. And only when he can't get a shot at the other guy to get the ball. I think Scott and Brooks kind of panicked. And everything was more Durant, more Durant, more Durant. And they got smoked. And, uh, and then the Thunder didn't even make him an offer when Minnesota uh, paid him good money and went there. And it never made sense to me because if you looked at the metrics of that team, uh, their numbers. It's also, you gave up James Harden for him. Like, you, yeah. you keep the guy you gave up for James, right. you gave James Harden up for. You, you right. assume that you're locking this dude in. They, they won. They were the number one team. They're starting five, uh, uh, the, the, the top four with Kevin instead of Cephalosha with the second best five man unit league behind Miami's. And I believe, uh, LeBron, Bosch, and Wade were the number one trio in plus minus. And actually, this is interesting. Durant, Martin, and Abaca was number two. And I think mm. Westbrook, Durant, Martin was number four. So of the, of the look at trios, and he was you know, he's 45% from three. He didn't have to do as much. He never had to do very much. He wasn't ever dribbling like Harden. He's not a Harden player. But he's brilliant at getting fouled and, and shooting threes. And they were number three in, the de- in defense that year. And, People in fairly so always criticize Kevin for his defense, but but that but you know he, he, most of the time he was the only guy scoring just like hard. It's hard to do both, and so when you're playing on bad teams and the only guy that can score, it's hard. Why would you defend? But on that team, they tried and they were number three in defense. And I don't know why Presley didn't run it back because I contended that once Westbrook got back, that team was the best team in the West, and uh, it never had a chance to breathe again. So. But thank you for letting me walk down memory lane on that because that, that was a fun year watching um, one of my first ever players um, play. They were great. Like, Scotty was great. Uh, the coach, the team played beautiful basketball. I, I, was there and I was there to see them play a couple of times, and they had a bunch of fourth quarters, so they could just sit on the bench and laugh. I mean, Kevin was six man and still wasn't in the game. That's all, that's, I, think the, I think the margin of victory was number two in the league, um, and they won 60, like I said. And uh, – Man, they, they all just played the right way. I just I would have liked to see that team. Now you look at what's left. I mean, nothing. You know that that's yeah. uh, of course of course Sam Presley has all these draft picks now. He got rid of everybody. Just wait. Right. When he trades Adams and and whoever else, he'll have more draft picks. I just and that's the funny thing about this, where people just assume like he won the trade and everything else, and obviously he got a great haul and all that. But I I just have a hard time believing that Presty is going to draft three top five players all over again like you're the that's just elite drafting to an unbelievable degree to get Harden, westbrook and durant when he did and also the baka find and stuff like that but like i don't know do you expect the gm to just hit that many times the draft is such a crapshoot that i don't know if i i, I don't know it's a huge question mark it, it, I, I don't know i i'm interested to see but i just think it's so difficult and to get one star and to draft one guy and they got three, and you're telling me he's going to find two to three more maybe with these picks? I don't know. It's possible. Obviously, they got a lot of them, but I doubt it. 
I, I just doubt it. And I don't think Thunder fans are ready for just how dark and uh, yeah. bad this can get. I mean, Charlotte did this and it didn't work. Like Orlando tried to do this, didn't work. Like it's just really, really hard. Once yeah. you're out of it, once you're out of contention and yeah. out of playing, and once you lose those top 10 guys, you're like, oh, it's really hard to find one because a third of the league is always trying to find them. Like pe- teams would love it. And those are smart teams that can't find it. It, I, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see how it works, but people just penciling them in as like the next dynasty with these guys and getting Shea, who I like a lot, but like, I don't know. I have my doubts. I just think it's really hard to get lucky that many times. Well, it is. I don't, I don't call it luck though. I think that, uh, I think they really have a great player development culture. Um, and they, they converted like, so, like Durant and Westbrook and Hart probably were no brainers, no matter where they went. Uh, that isn't always the case. They should have been drafted higher, uh, probably. But um, but you know, guys like David Adams have done well, and they developed Jeremy Grant really well. But I don't disagree with you. Uh, I I I think they're going to be in hell. I don't think Presley will stay there. I think he'll go somewhere else because it's, they're going to be dark. I think it's going to be dark days there for a while. Yeah, they're going to have a bunch of picks. They're going to trade Gallinari, trade Adams. Like they're going to be yeah. low, and, and they'll move some of the picks for players. Yeah, they'll they'll pluck off a good player but here once and those there. Guys are gone. Once Adams is gone, once the adults in the room are gone, and that yeah. team really just blows up, like the yeah. West is going to be stacked for years to come. Like there's, it's yeah, going to be a long playoff drought. You might well, probably. not be in the playoffs again for ten years. Right, like, that's probably. a real possibility. Yeah, well, I agree with you. Probably stacked for years to come. Kawhi and Paul, Kawhi and Paul George are up in two years. Yeah, yeah Anthony Davis, Anthony I mean, Davis is up in one year, and LeBron's up in two years. So we don't really know anymore. It's hard to think long term yeah. right now. In this culture, and by the way, you can you're never far away from what Anthony Davis and Kawhi have done, guys. And I love it, but it, it to me it's made for what's going to be the most interesting season, uh, maybe in the history of the game in terms of how many contenders we have. Last time we had this many contenders was probably 1978, and uh, the league was I take the lay on CBS. I, I know I was watching the game. I was 13. Um, not that's not the case anymore. They're going to be more. I say, if there was a 70-game schedule, it would be the best must-see TV the league ever had. But even 82 games, there's just so many big games now because of how many good teams are on the West. Yeah. All right, Coach Thorpe, I've taken way too much of your time, but thank you so much for doing this late on a Wednesday. I, I really appreciate it. This was this was a blast. Thank you for going down memory lane with me and uh, all the great Twins advice and just uh, talking yeah. hoops with me for an hour. So I appreciate it. We can read you on truehoop.com. Article coming out Friday. So read that. I will be reading it on Harden and Westbrook and how those two will coexist in Houston. Is there anything else you'd like to plug before we get out of here? I would, yes. Uh, besides my book, Basketball and Jazz, which may be out of print right now, I'll, I'll get that fixed on Amazon. But we started a virtual training program uh, this last few months. Uh, you go to the theprotrainingcenter.com uh, or on Instagram, the Pro Training Center. Uh, basically, uh, you get five workouts a week with video attached to every drill. That's basically what I'm doing with my pros every day. And I, we mix the match a little bit because like, I can't do dunk drills for, for 14-year-olds. But um, but it's basically <laughs> yeah. the NBA work that we're doing uh, with my teaching points, and then anyone that subscribes uh, to it, uh, it gets a chance to communicate directly with me on Slack uh, with questions about. We want you we want you to send us your videos, and I'll look to see what you're doing and give you give you advice based on what I see, just like I do my pro guys from all over the world. So we've got people from everywhere uh, who who are doing it, and uh, middle school players, high school players, pros, college kids. Uh, coaches, player development coaches who want different ideas on what to do to train their kids. 
And then we, we're, we don't, th- I don't think we have anyone yet that's an adult that just wants to be in shape. But the stuff we do is about 35 minutes long each day typically. It's a, it's a calorie burner. It's super fun for anyone that used to play competitively and now just wants to play to be in shape. Uh, five by five is fine. These workouts are much better. You get your heart rate going much faster and lose weight. My players always lose weight when they come here, every one of them, uh, uh, in terms of body fat anyway. And uh, so, yeah, so theprotrainingcenter.com, or you can find me at Coach Thorpe on Twitter, and I'll show you the right direction. If you, if you or your child or you're a coach and just want to understand how the pros are training get better, this is what we do. I'd like a signed copy of the, the Basketball's Jazz. We can work that out. Okay, cool. All right, Coach Thorpe, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. You got it. Bye-bye. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often and also follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.